Uh, I'm going to finish that for him. Thank you for joining us. It's good to have everybody here today. How's everybody doing tonight? Good? I know I'm doing well. It's good to, good to be here. Let me get my, my remote set. All right. So as you can see, I have a bag of goodies here because I like to uh, be generous. So I might give away some giveaways to you guys. Would you guys like that? All right. All right. You're not getting any. So, uh, so he's my son. He's my son. I can say that to him. But uh, hey, it's good to be here tonight. So um, if this is your first time here or one of the last couple times that you've been here, you may notice I'm not Pastor Justin. And so my head's a little bit bald like his, but um, I have more of a scraggly beard and I'm about a foot taller. So uh, Pastor Justin's a great guy. Him and his wife and their uh, newly adopted son are just getting back from a vacation, which is well-deserved and well-needed. And they serve us so well. So we're just uh, pleased that they were be able to get away and get refreshed. And I'm pleased to be up here to preach the Word of God to you guys here tonight. And so um, I feel like God's laid a message on my heart, and I'm excited to share it with you guys. Um, second, my remote's not working. But uh, so Cord was talking a lot about generosity, right? And we're talking about giving and talking about how we like to be a generous church. And we believe that because we believe that God is generous. And so tonight I'm going to talk with you guys about what it means to be generous, what it means to be generous and rethinking generosity to the local church. And so we approach Christmas right now, right? We're a little over two weeks away from the biggest holiday of the entire year. So we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas. We're going to talk about tradition and we're going to talk about about rethinking generosity. So um, before we get into that, though, I do believe that we need to pray. We need to go to Jesus and ask him to just have his way in our hearts tonight. Because the amazing thing about God is anytime the word of God is preached, doesn't matter if there's five people in here or 500, he's going to take that one word that's preached and he's going to speak to everybody individually where they're at. And so we need the spirit to move. So I'm just going to pray. We're going to dive right in. So Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your amazing grace, Lord Jesus. And let that never be something cliche that we say, oh, it's amazing grace. So thank you for your love. Let us fill that deep in our hearts, Lord God. And as we just approach your word tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would speak to all of us where we are. Speak to me and speak to everybody here, Lord. Let us leave here changed in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, we stand here about a little um, over two weeks away from the biggest holiday of the entire year. So my wife was the uh, lady that was up here and that um, did the worship wrap up and prayed. And as you could tell, we're Christmas people. Like we already celebrated Christmas with two of our kids. And the reason being is they're going to spend some time with their mother. So we're not going to have them this Christmas. So we do holidays and we do holidays big in our home, like big time. We love holidays and the fall season is one of our favorite holidays, right? Because coming out of the summertime and then going into um, fall, it for us is just a celebration of, okay, you got fall, you've got Thanksgiving, you've got Christmas, you've got New Year's, you've got a lot of food, you've got a lot of fellowship, and you really have a whole lot of just family time and traditions. And so who here is excited for Christmas? I know Cord had said it, but like three people said yay. But who here is excited for Christmas? So why? What are you excited about Christmas for, if you don't mind me asking? Would anyone like to speak up? Katie? Food. Yes, and your mom's a very good cook, so that's good. What about you, Avery? Family. That's great. Uh, What about you, Joel? Possible snow. Well, you know what? Jesus just answered that prayer. Look outside. The snow is there. So um, when we think about Christmas, um, who here just thinks about traditions? Think about traditions. I know for me, that's one of the biggest things. As I look back and I think upon Christmas season, uh, I'm reminded of time spent with family. 
I'm reminded of time spent with um, my grandmother, with my aunts, with my uncles. Uh, you know, when, when I was growing up, you knew on Christmas Eve you were going to be here at so-and-so's house. On Thanksgiving you were going to be at so-and-so's house. You knew what to expect, and you knew what to happen with those traditions. And so we in our family, we celebrate seasons well. And I'm going to start off explaining this using the last uh, stretch of the, se- of the year as an example. So while mo- who's here, who here is beach people? I know some of you guys are beach people, right? The Smiths were probably at the beach today. I know that they're, they're beach people. And so uh, those of you who are beach people, at the end of August, at the beginning of September, you're at the beach. You're trying to soak up the last few days of the beach. My wife and I are calling Starbucks asking, yo, when's pumpkin spice latte come out? Anybody else there? Anybody else? So we love it, right? Because that first sip of a pumpkin spice latte for us just kind of kicks off the fall season. And so we love that. We enjoy that. We're fall people in our home. We've got pumpkin Cheerios, pumpkin K-Cups, pumpkin cookies. We have pumpkin parties. I mean, we really do it big in our home. All of this, while it's like the first week in September and it's still like 80 degrees out, we love it. We can't wait. So we just, we just um, spread out and just drag out the holiday season, and we love the fall when that comes around. And so, um, so much so that who here was at the Oktoberfest that we do for the community where we dress up and we give out candy and we do all that stuff? So, so much so that my wife is planning all that like in like August and like July. She's thinking, what are we going to be? How are we going to dress up? And all that hard work paid off this year because all that preparation that my wife did ended up in us winning, and we won uh, one of the competitions for the Best Dressed Family. And so um, all of that, right, I mean, we were going to get a dress for uh, my three-year-old daughter who was Dorothy literally in, like, August. We were driving to someone's house, and she was planning that. And then when it came around, Oktoberfest, and when you have kids and you have to get them dressed, it's a lot of work, Right? Right? Who, who's got kids? It's a lot of work when you have a three-year-old and you're trying to get them dressed and you're trying to get, make sure they're all ready. And so she's putting makeup on the kids. She made my uh, beautiful daughter Avery look like the cowardly lion. So she put makeup on her. And while she was putting the makeup on, she was listening to Christmas music. In October. Christmas in October. I mean... That's just kind of how we roll in our family, and we don't slight Thanksgiving. Some people are like, oh, you know, die hard, no Christmas music until a certain time, and I respect that, and I'm not here trying to beef with anybody, so I completely understand if you are a no Christmas music until a Black Friday person, but we in our home, we just do it big, and we draw, drag out the holidays, and we don't slight Thanksgiving. Matter of fact, we love Thanksgiving so much that prior to Thanksgiving, in Hilt's fashion, we cook a Thanksgiving dinner. So we do it before Thanksgiving, and then we do it on Thanksgiving. We just love the holiday season. And so I know for some of you guys, when you're thinking of Christmas music early, and you're like, oh, man, forget that. I can't do that. I understand that. So no matter where you are, if you're a pre-Black Friday or a post-Black Friday Christmas person, what's your favorite Christmas music album? Anyone want to tell me? Would you, who'd you say? She said all of them, every single one. I've never heard them, but what you got there? Nat King Cole Christmas song. Okay, anybody else like to share Christmas? Favorite Christmas album? Pentatonics. I've tried to beatbox, but I can't. No, I'm not really that good. Avery. Lauren Daigle. There you go. Okay, so um, I have a giveaway for you guys. If for the first person that can tell me the highest grossing Christmas album of all times. Man. Rebecca Lentz, I've got something for you. It is Elvis Presley. It is Elvis Presley. I actually have Lauren Daigle's Christmas album. It's called Behold, and I'm going to give that to you. 
That, to me, is one of the top five Christmas albums. It just came out last year. And as a fun fact, that was the Christmas album that my wife was listening to as she was putting makeup on Avery in October. So, yeah, Elvis. Look, Elvis and Christmas, to me, go together like hand in hand. And when I grew up, my grandma was listening to Elvis so much so that literally, like, Elvis and Christmas trees, to me, go hand in hand. Like, that's just what you do on Christmas. You put on Elvis music, and then you put up your Christmas tree. And we would do that with my grandma. I would begrudgingly go down to her house. I would help her carry, like, 95 boxes out of the attic and put up her Christmas decorations, all while listening to Mama Like the Roses or White Christmas or Blue Christmas or whatever Elvis song you could think of that would set the tone in our family. Some of those traditions, now I can look back and think, man, like I cherish that time with my grandma who is no longer with us, but I cherish those times. And so for many of you here, you're thinking of the family traditions that you've had or, or that you've made years ago or you've made in the recent years, and you're probably looking at that with great expectation, maybe a little bit of sadness. And when I think about my grandma, I have a little bit of sadness because she's not here anymore. But nonetheless, when we think of Christmas, we think of traditions. And I know me personally, when I was young though, I really wasn't thinking about all that because for me as a kid, Christmas was about what I would get. Can you get an amen on that? Does any, can anyone relate? I'm trying to be real and vulnerable up here. When I was a kid, I really didn't care about much other than who was going to get me what I wanted to get. Whether it was Sega, Nintendo, whether whatever. That's not even a system. I just made that up. But I wanted both of them when I was growing up, right? And so as a kid, for me, it was more about what I would get and not about what I would give. So hindsight's twenty twenty, and I can look back and I can think, man, like I really cherish those memories with family. But in the midst of it all, it was really just about what I would get and not about what I would give. The anticipation for Christmas morning was high for me. Who here can remember their most anticipated gift during Christmas, like something you really wanted? Basketball hoop? Yes. A mountain bike? Yep. I can relate to both of that. Anything, anybody, anybody else? Joel? Joel, you just said what everybody in here has been thinking is that, you know, when we were kids, we probably peeked around a little bit, wanted to see if we could find what we were getting. Who here, like, looked in between the wrapper just to see? I think I see a little bit. Okay, so let's be honest, right? Because let's just be real. We're all born sinners. We're all born greedy. We all want what we want, when we want, and how we want it. And so... I've been a Christian for about a decade now, and it's been a journey that Jesus has been taking me on to understand that it's actually more blessed to give than it is to receive. See, I had it all wrong as a kid. I really did. And that's not to say that I was this kid that was just a horrible person. Now, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen? Nobody in here is perfect, right? Um, But as a kid, apart from the Lord, I thought, as a self-righteous kid, I'm, I'm a decent kid, you know, like, we went and we, we did generous things. My family would make me save money and make me learn how to give. So I would, I would buy presents for my mom. I would buy presents for my grandmother with the money that I saved. And by God's grace, we encourage our kids to do that now. But um, when I was a kid, I thought, man, like, you know, we would go. We would help with a charity. Like, I'm doing good things. It made me feel good for a minute, but it never really lasted. Because for me, I still had this greedy mindset where it was really just, okay, let me do these nice things for people. And then let me get what I want to get. My mindset back then was, yeah, I'll do some good things here and there. And it had good intentions back then, but my giving never really had God intentions. 
So I would help people, surely, because I was encouraged to do that, and we did help, and we did give to charities and all of that. However, apart from the Lord Jesus, I didn't really understand what it meant to have heartfelt motivations to give and to serve others as I've been served. I mean, as Christians here, now speaking as a Christian, I can understand that my um, desire to help and to help others is only because the help that I've been given of God. But I didn't understand that growing up. So every year, we would go to Christmas, though. I was a good, like I'm going to tell you right now, I was a little self-righteous growing up. So I was a good Catholic kid who kind of went to church, you know, Christmas and Easter, because that's kind of what you did in our family. You kind of checked the box, right? Like we were a religious family, you know. We didn't, we weren't um, atheists. We weren't, um, you know, opposed to God, if you will. Matter of fact, we would talk about God. We would do the grace before dinner and all of that. I knew of God because I was around, like I said, Christmas and Easter every year. I would be around faith in Christ, but I never had faith in Christ. So I was never transformed by the word to understand what it meant to truly be generous. And so growing up, I started to understand generosity a bit more as I um, became uh, a Christian and came into a relationship with Jesus. And like I said, that scripture where Jesus says it's more blessed to give than receive really transformed and is still transforming my method of thinking. So tonight, I really want to talk with you about the importance of being a generous person. But first, we have to see that God is the ultimate generous person. You're not going to be generous out of good intentions and think that's going to fill you up and fill your soul. It's it's not. If your motivation is to think, I'm going to do all these things and I'm going to please God, let me tell you this. Our most righteous acts are filthy rags if we're doing them apart from the Lord. So we've got to do things for God that he's calling us to do because of the great love he has for us. But in order to do that, we have to understand that great love. So I want to talk, um, we're we're literally going to spend our entire time looking at this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. What we see here is we see uh, Peter talking uh, to the church, and he's saying that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So God's word is very it's very deep. It always points to Jesus, and it always transforms us. You could literally spend um, days on one verse digging and diving into it. And my devotional life is taken to a next level when I really sink into that reality and I don't read it as a checklist, right? So you can sit here and you can look at this scripture, and we can dive deep into it. We can see three principles that God's trying to teach us. And it's gonna, we're going to camp out in this text, but we're going to bounce around a little bit because I believe all truth, um, scripture interprets scripture, and all truth is God's truth. And God's going to show us what it means to rethink generosity here tonight. And so we're going to talk about the giver, the gifts, and why they were given. Three things that I see here in this scripture. So we're just going to dive right in. So first, there's a question that I want you guys to be thinking about tonight. So we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Who in here is like super comfortable with spiritual gifts? Cool. I appreciate that. That's good. I'm going to put my hand up because I am very comfortable with spiritual gifts, but only because God is encouraging me to dive deep into it. But this can be one of them things, quite honestly, that can be a bit overwhelming. But here's the thing. If you're a Christian in here, God has given you a gift. He's given you a gift. Number one, he's given you the gift of being in a relationship with his son. And once that happens and you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, he's given you a supernatural spiritual gift that you are to use to build God's kingdom. All of you, if you're a Christian in here, you're gifted. 
You may be thinking, I mean, I don't know me. Yes, you. If you have been a Christian for three days, God has given you a gift. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And we're not going to get overwhelmed, okay? We're not going to get overwhelmed. It is very easy to get overwhelmed. And might I suggest that if you're one of the people that didn't put your hand up about being comfortable with the spiritual gifts, it might be that you're a bit overwhelmed because there's a lot of scripture, there's a lot of text, and it's a whole lot to be thinking about. So I figured I would tackle a very important scripture tonight while Pastor Justin was gone. So we're just going to dive right in. But I want you to be thinking, I'm sorry, let me slide back, about this question. What is my gift and how can I use it to be generous to the church here at City Life? I want you to keep coming back to this question over and over and over again. In the back of your mind, I want you to think about this as I'm preaching to you guys. What is my gift and how am I using it to be generous to the church here at City Life? So God's called us to a life of generosity. We're to be generous to any and everyone, right? As Christians, we should be, right? Specifically, we're going to talk about generosity towards your brothers and sisters in Christ in local church. So I want, I want to um, put that in a narrow view for us to think about that. So, so yes, we're supposed to be generous to everyone. So when I'm speaking toward the local church, I'm not excluding the world. We should always be generous. But specifically, God's called us to be generous to the local church. And so here's the thing, man. God's a good dad. So my wife talked about this a bit. Um, and God's a good father. And so when we come to God and we ask him a question and we just seek him, he's going to give us what we need. And so we see this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. We see Jesus. We see him talking about prayer. And this is what he says. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you not give them, or do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? So what Jesus is saying here is, look, who here has kids or has ever watched a kid? I'm sure everyone's hand should likely raise, right? So... And if you've not watched a kid, you probably have a brother or sister. So my one-year-old daughter comes up to me today. I'm eating cereal. I'm, like, sitting down in the playroom. She just comes up to me, and I'm eating cereal. And she goes, hum, 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 because she wants some food. She actually could speak very well, but sometimes she just does that like a robot, just comes up to me like, give me what you have right now. I'm very hungry. And so what Jesus is saying here, look, when your kids come to you and they ask you for something to eat, what are you going to do? In that moment, you're going to be like, hey, here you go. Throw these rocks and munch on these rocks or, or eat this toy. No, that's not what's going to happen. Jesus is going to, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> What, what uh, we're going to do is we're going to provide for that need. And God's saying, hey, if you can do that and you got a sin problem, how much, more can, how much more can I provide and I have no sin in me? And so what I want you to see from this text is, look, your, your, good, your good father knows exactly what you need. And if you just come to him, he's going to give you what you need. So if you come to him tonight with a real heart, like I really don't understand these spiritual gifts, can you show it to me? He is going to bless that and he is going to show you what your spiritual gift is. So I want you to be thinking about that tonight. So we are going to dive right in. First, we're going to talk about the giver. So the giver is God. This is super easy. But we see that right at the beginning of this. God has given. So God is the giver. God gives wonderful things. We see that in that scripture. We also see it in James chapter 1, verse 17, where it says, um, every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
We see God gives freedom to the Israelites. He gives food to them jokers when they're in the wilderness, right? We see that God gives uh, Solomon wisdom. He gives Daniel favor. He gives Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. He gives thousands of people food, food with five loaves of bread, or I'm sorry, five fish and two loaves of bread. Like, that's a lot, right? So he's good. He's perfect. We can look all throughout the scriptures, and we can see this idea of God being the giver. But the most important thing that God has ever given us is his son, Jesus Christ. If you're here tonight, and maybe you got dragged here tonight, and you're like, look, I really don't know Jesus, or I'm not trying to make him Lord of my life. Right now, put the spiritual gifts off to the side. He just wants you to come into a relationship with Christ, point blank, period. That's it. The ultimate gift is the giver. The giver is the gift. Like, how awesome is that? And nowhere else do we see this more importantly uh, than John 3.16. Does anyone in here know, uh, actually, before I say that, I have a giveaway for someone who can tell me what John 3.16 says. Anybody? You're close. You're close. Katie. Yeah, the whoever believes in him, but you're close enough. So I'm going to give you this. My wife made this sign. It's essentially, my wife makes nice little scripture signs. And so that's a sign there that essentially has John 3.16 on it. And so um, when you think about John 3.16, yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You may have different versions memorized, but this scripture should be something that's cemented in our mind. But more importantly, it needs to be cemented in your heart. Scriptures like this, they're on Nice little plaques like that. They're on coffee cups, right? They're on T-shirts. Romans 8.28, Psalm 23, Jeremiah 29.11. You could probably think of many different scriptures that maybe you have memorized, like John 3.16. But what I want to talk with you guys tonight about is if those scriptures are merely just something that we have in our mind but we don't have in our heart, if we just kind of glance over John 3.16, and I'm just, if I'm just being real, sometimes I do as well. It's like, oh, John 3, 16, like, that's a cute little coffee mug. Like, and then I get convicted, like, man, look, like, we need to be rocked by the reality of Scripture, whether we see it on a coffee cup, whether we see it in the Word, whether we hear it preached or whatever it is. But I think sometimes we become so familiar with Scriptures like this that we forget the reality of it. And the reality is God gave his one and only son. Just gave, just like freely gave it. And think about something that you love and something that you like. And I think about my little daughter who's one years old, and she has this bunny that is like her favorite bunny. You need to have this bunny to like go to sleep. It is her one and only bunny. You could probably think of something like that in your life. She's not giving that bunny up to nobody. She's just not. She needs it. God gave his one and only son to you. But sometimes we glance over it. Use this Christmas for an example. Who here has been Christmas shopping these last couple weeks and has heard Christmas music in Walmart? Right? Starbucks, Walmart, wherever it might be. We're surrounded by Christmas music. It's all over the place. And look, we love Christmas music. It's not a bad thing. You know, we go out and we listen to Christmas music in September in our house. We love it. But here's the thing. If um, our culture is so familiar with Christmas that they've forgot the essence of Christmas. You hear, you hear songs about Jesus in Walmart, right? You hear songs about Jesus in Target. We hear songs like Oh Holy Night, which sings of Jesus' birth. We hear all of these songs. You're going to hear them. You're going to see uh, nativity sets from roadsides and communities to 
Walmart to Target to wherever, you're going to see this stuff all around. And you're going to hear Christmas songs all around. But you're going to see a whole lot of people not connecting Christmas with Christ. You are. Our culture thinks it's cute to bow down to cute baby Jesus at a manger, but it's foreign to bow down and worship him as Lord of our lives. Because we've become numb as a society to the importance of what Christmas is. So here's the thing. Let's not do that as Christians. Let's not fall into that trap and treat the scripture, memorable scriptures like this, like the world treats Christmas songs during Christmas and lose the essence of what it is. Let's not lose the essence of the importance of John 3.16 or any other scriptures like that. The giver is the ultimate gift. God is holy, God is set apart, God is perfect. There is nothing or nobody like God. So of course he had to give you the best, which is himself. So the giver is the gift, number one. So let's move on. Let's talk about spiritual gifts for a second. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. So here's the meat of it all. We're going to get in depth. We could do a sermon series about spiritual gifts. We could go on seriously and preach it for years because it's a lot. I'm not going to dive into the specifics of each gift, but we could do that and be preaching for years. We could do that and preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all of that which is very important and vital and essential to our lives as Christians. But I'm going to keep it real high level with you guys tonight. And I want to ask you to think about these two words, great variety. What comes to your mind when you think of the words great variety? Anybody? Not you, Abe. She might spoil it because she heard me preach this a couple times. Go ahead. A lot of different gifts, okay? Anybody else? Jelly bellies? Dude, I did the bamboozle jelly belly thing today, and I'm telling you, I about puked a couple times. <laughs> Seriously. What you got, Nat? Great variety at a, at a store. Like, okay, cool. I see someone else raise their hand. Okay, so... Listen, you're about to get a glimpse into what happens in my mind. But as I was reading this scripture and I felt, God, yo, you need to preach this. I saw the words great variety after I looked at all the scriptures and I went into all the spiritual gifts. And this is what I thought of. Pringles and Oreos. Listen, who here has ever gotten overwhelmed going down the Pringle aisle at Walmart? Right? Like, Like, look. They got dill pickle Pringles. Who in here likes dill pickles? Yeah? All right, I'm going to give this to Steph Smith. Here you go. Catch. Dill pickle Pringles. I got some Oreos in here, too. They got some crazy flavors of Oreos as well. Red velvet Oreos. Who in here loves some red velvet? Okay, okay. I'm going to bring it back here to Sarah because I saw her hand first. So they got red velvet Oreos, man. They got some crazy flavors of Oreos. Here you go, Sarah. She'll have them at Haiti Marketplace. Go there, have an Oreo and a glass of milk with Sarah Frederick. Buy you a little wristband. But, uh, yeah, so Pringles and Oreos. So um, prior to marrying my wife, Amanda, I was a bachelor for a couple years in between marriages. And I used to sometimes just be frivolous and stupid and spend my budget on Pringles and Oreos for my kids. There would be times where me, Aiden, and Avery would have Pringle parties. We leg- I would legit go down that aisle and buy, like, ten boxes of Pringles, and we would taste them. The jalapeno Pringles, the cheese Pringles, which I think are the best. If you've ever had the cheese ones. 
sour cream and onion and all that. And so um, we would buy those. We would go home, have a fun time, taste them all. We would do the same thing with Oreos as well. We'd sit down with the Oreos, me, Aiden, and Avery. We'd get a glass of milk. I would tell them, dip them, dunk them, sink them, sunk them. We would take the Oreos. We'd dip them in. You sit it in there for just a long enough time to get it where it doesn't fall apart, but it's just like tender in your mouth. You know you know what I'm talking about if you've ever dipped an Oreo. And so we would do that. We would taste all these random flavors, and we would have a fun time. But you get the message. There's a great variety of Pringles and Oreos. There's actually over 101 flavors of Pringles and over 80 flavors of Oreos. There's a, there's a seaweed, there's a seaweed Pringle. There's a hot mayonnaise Pringle. I guarantee, like, like saying that makes me want to spew. Hot mayonnaise. There's candy corn Oreos, Wayne. Candy corn Oreos. There are so many types of Oreos, it's ridiculous. There's a great variety. And so we can easily get overwhelmed when we see these. Like, it's so easy to get overwhelmed, it's comical. Who here has ever sat down to watch Netflix and spent like three hours just scrolling through their library and eventually you've chosen nothing because you're so overwhelmed with what they have? Right? Right? Another pet peeve of mine is their organization system is completely out of whack on Netflix. That's another thing for another day. We talked about it last night at the Christmas party. But, uh, yeah, so it's so easy to get overwhelmed when we're faced with a decision of choices. The beauty with God's spiritual gifts and his great variety is we don't have to get overwhelmed when we look at them. And I think the reason why we don't um, fully understand the gifts like we should is because we sometimes approach God's great variety of gifts like we approach Pringles, Oreos, and Netflix. We think we have to make a decision. Ah, there's so many. I don't know what to choose, you know. I like basketball movies. Amanda likes love shows and whatever. And so we don't know what to choose on Netflix, you know. So we're just flipping through stuff, right? I, I don't know, love shows. <laughs> lifetime movies. She likes Lifetime movies. That's what I meant to say. So, so we think, and then, we're just, then we just stop and we just walk away. But here's the deal, man. With God's spiritual gifts, he doesn't walk down the aisle of his spiritual gifts and go, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to give this person. He knows how you're wired. He's the selector, and he's the distributor of the spiritual gifts. And so that should take away the overwhelming feeling that we have when we approach these texts. It's super easy to get overwhelmed. Super easy when you look at these scriptures because there's quite a bit. But when we see God as the selector and God as the distributor, that should bring peace and comfort for us because our dad, like our good dad that we talked about who makes decisions for us, um, who gives us good gifts, is going to choose the gift we should have. We see this in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should get. So there's a lot of gifts. You might think, man, I would really like to have that gift. And God might be like, nah, that's not the one you got. That's not the one I have for you. There might be some that scare you. You look at the spiritual gifts, you're like, whoa, speak in tongues. That's crazy. I'm just being honest, right? You might look at some of that and say, I, that to me, hey, if you would have told me a decade ago, hey, uh, you're going you're gonna to preach. I'd have been like, you're crazy. So it's easy to get overwhelmed when we look at these gifts. But when we look at it through a lens, a God lens of like, all right, God, what do you have for me? And then we spend our life serving others. Our gifts, they're just going to kind of well up inside of us. And so I hope you're thinking about this question. What is my gift and how am I using it to be generous to the church's city life? There's many different areas that you can land. But um, this question is going to lead us to these scriptures. It's a lot of scripture. You can take a picture of it. You can write it down. The notes will be online. But these are the four main passages of scripture you're going to find the spiritual gifts in. 
Romans 12, 6 through 8, 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 31, Ephesians verses 4, 7 through 15. That's a lot. And I'm going to encourage you guys to not get overwhelmed. If you get overwhelmed, just seek the Spirit. Like, God, why am I getting overwhelmed with this? You know what I have. You know how I'm supposed to walk in the calling you have for my life. That's where we see the scripture, and here are the gifts. So there's about 20 different spiritual gifts, depending on how you count some specific gifts, because in these different passages of scriptures, what you're going to see, some gifts are actually mentioned quite a few times. So I'm going to read them for you guys. You have encouragement, prophecy, healing, speaking tongues, interpretation of tongues, pastors, miracles, teaching, serving, kindness, leadership, generosity, discernment, faith, wisdom, special knowledge, apostles, speaking, and evangelists. So I want you to know that we're a church that we believe God still moves now like he moved in the book of Acts. That God still moves now like he has moved forever because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we see these gifts, we don't go through and say, ah, miracles, nah. Ah, healing, mm. Ah, speaking tongues. No, listen, we look at these spiritual gifts and we look at the totality of scripture and we see that God still moves today like God moved then. We don't see prophecy and shy away from it. Matter of fact, if you've been here at this church for any amount of time, you have seen the gift of prophecy at work. There are some members here in our church who move in the prophetic realm to like, hey, God's given me a word. They go up, they speak with Pastor Justin or one of the elders. They talk with him. It goes through Justin. Yep, sounds like something God would say to his people. And then they come up here, they grab the mic, and they'll say what God put on their heart. And so we, don't, we not only believe that God still works like he did in the book of Acts, that some of these gifts that might seem a little bit um, extra supernatural, I guess, to some of us in our humanity, we don't see those and back away from them. We see all of these gifts, and we, like Paul says, earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So we desire the spiritual gifts, and we don't shy away from them. We believe in the, all these spiritual gifts are um, supernatural by nature, so not one should be elevated over the other. Not one should be elevated over the other. If you serve, if your gift is serving, and Pastor Justin's gift is teaching, he's not here, and you're not here. All gifts, all gifts, none of them are elevated above another. They're not. Now, when we're talking about this, and we're talking about the miraculous uh, spiritual gifts, and, and we can get into talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we believe in all of that here at City Life. And you're going to see some of us sometimes who we believe in healing. Like, we for real believe God heals. Does anybody in here believe that God heals? Right? Like, we'll lay hands on people and, and expect that God could heal that person. We know it doesn't always happen. Right? But that doesn't kill our expectation for God to do amazing things. And so there are people that move in the gift of healing, and that's their ministry. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, they can do that. These spiritual gifts are for today, and they're for us. And it might be overwhelming to think, like I said to you guys, hey, look, a decade ago, if you told me I was going to s- preach the gospel, I'd say, oh, like, pump the brakes. Like, that's just not going to happen. But look, when we seek the Spirit of God, who is the source of all gifts, and we're open to allow him to move through us, because really, as I was talking with my mother-in-law this week, uh, these aren't our gifts. They're God's gifts working through us, right? So um, when we see the gifts as coming from God, and allowing him to empower us, it will transform 
the way that we move in the Holy Spirit. It just definitely will. And it will cause us to rethink, how am I being generous with this gift? Because here's the deal. Look, if God's given you a gift, he didn't give it to you for yourself. He gave it to you for other people. You might be able to build up and encourage yourself by using your gift. Let me tell you this. There is no greater joy to me than when I'm walking in the Holy Spirit. I'm doing exactly what God calls me to do. Just is. I'll leave here tonight, and I'll feel like, Oh, that's exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Because when you're walking in your gift, there's great joy that comes from that. But that joy comes in the service of others. And so the question is tonight, when you're thinking about what are my gifts and how am I using them to be generous to the churches, how's that happening in your life and what does that look like? And know this, like God's got a ton of grace for you wherever you are. He just does. Um, Some some gifts and some callings take a while to, to work themselves out in your life. They just do. Um, but God's got a gift for you, and God wants you to use your gift to serve others. And that takes us to our next point, why the gifts were given. So the gifts were given, simply put, to serve others. We see this at the end. Use them well to serve one another. Who here loves Pastor Justin's preaching? I do as well. I love it. I listen to it when I'm ser- I serve quite a bit. If I'm not in here, I will podcast and listen to it because it feeds my soul. He has a gift of teaching. Amen? This is a lot of work to craft a sermon. Like, it's a lot of work. He didn't just kind of wake up, feed Raj, and, oh, there's my sermon for this evening. No, no, no. He uses his gift well to serve others. And there's a difference between using your gift to serve and using your gift well to serve. God calls us to excellent service. And Pastor Justin, by God's grace, serves us very well by crafting a sermon. He would do us no good with his spiritual gift if he just kind of got up here and started winging it. Trust me, trust me, if he didn't take his spiritual gift seriously and walk in it and seek the spirit of God and be humble enough to just say what God wants him to say and craft a sermon, he would not be using his gift well. But by God's grace, he does. And we're called to do the exact same. So there's a couple different ways you can determine what your spiritual gift is and then put it to use. There's, there's tests online. Who here has ever taken a test to determine what your spiritual gift is? I've taken them before. And um, I kind of thought, yeah, maybe we should direct someone to go to this, one of these sites, and to check it out to see, you know, put in all the information and kind of determine what your gift is. That's kind of a computer telling you what your spiritual gift is, though. And and, and I don't knock that because I definitely believe, like, God can use anything. Um, However, the best way you can determine your spiritual gift is to get in there and start serving some people. So we believe here at City Life that your gifts will make room for themselves. Use this for example. Like, I didn't show up at City Life and say, Hey, yo, Pastor Justin, I feel like I'm supposed to preach. So I'm just saying, let me know when. Like, you just don't do that. You just don't do that. You don't just show up here and go, You know what, man? Like, I'm a singer and I need to be up there leading worship. We'd be like, Cool, here's a box, here's a blue shirt. You know what I mean? And because, and we're not saying, we're not saying that you're, uh, gift that God's given you to sing, which is not a spiritual gift. So I want to give distinctions like singing is not a spiritual gift, but your kindness and your generosity to use your gift of singing and all of that stuff will come out as you're serving people. Like it just will. Like you put on a blue shirt and you help be an usher here at City Life or you're back there with the kids and, uh, or you're here uh, doing um, outreach or local missions with us side by side. Your gift is going to come out and we're going to see, man, this person, man, they're so kind, man. Like 
as Christians, we're all supposed to be kind, but there's a supernatural grace on this person to be, like, just overly kind. And we can see that. When you're serving side by side with people, I see it all the time. I have the, the joy and the privilege to help serve the SLT team. And I see it all the time when we're serving with people and we go, that person's a leader. That person's a leader. You know how we, that, that kind of just comes to our, our mind and our hearts just by watching them serve. Like, you can, like, our God came to serve us. And so your qualities and your abilities will come out when you're serving people. So just jump in and find a place to serve. Like Justin says all the time, you look most like Jesus whenever you're serving. So look, the worship team gets here at 2 o'clock. The audio and tech team get here then. The SLT team, which is the usher team, they get here at 3.30. The kid team, they get here about 4 o'clock. And not just here, but guess what? We do outreach stuff too. There's things going on in the community where we go to College Square and we put food in the hands of people just as a free gift. And we express our generosity that way. There's many different ways that you can use your gift to give to others. And you can show how more blessed it is to give than receive. There's many different ways, and when you're in there serving, you'll spot people's gifts, and they'll be able to spot yours. But that's not going to happen if you're not serving. And so you might be like, man, Justin just talked about serving. Now you guys are talking about serving. It's Christmas time. Like, should we not just talk about a call to action to do something? Look, we're supposed to do the word, guys, right? We're supposed to serve people. And you're called to use your gift, whatever it is. As we see here in the scripture, you're called to use your gift to serve the church, and to serve each other well. I don't think my phone's working here. Okay. Um, ben, if you can advance to the next slide, my phone's not working. So uh, I want us to go back to this question, and we're going to wrap up now. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So I want you to rethink uh, generosity by answering this question in your mind. What is my gift, and how am I using it to be generous to the church here at City Life? You can be in a couple different places. One, you're like, look, I'm here. I'm not a Christian. I don't even know why I'm here. Okay, cool. Your gift is Jesus Christ. You're here tonight, and I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus wants you to come into a relationship with him, point blank, period. The giver is your gift. Don't leave here tonight without um, coming into a relationship with Christ. Just place your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. You might be here, and you're like, I know my spiritual gift. I'm just not walking in it. You might be scared of it. You might be like Jonah, and you're like running away from your spiritual gift. He wasn't running away from his spiritual gift, but he was running away from his calling, and that might be where you're at. You're like, yeah, I know what you're calling me to, but I'm kind of scared of it, God. And I would say, well, maybe God wants to deal with you tonight in a good way, in a kind way. And then lastly, you know what your gift is, and you're walking in it. If for that, we praise God. We really do. Because there's a lot of people in here that need some people that are a little more mature than we are to help show us the way. So show us, man. If you're one of those people that you're like, man, I know what my gift is, help others find their gift. And, and let's talk about this stuff, too. Look, me and Pastor Justin have talked before about um, when the word is preached and then afterwards um, someone may come up and say, good sermon. Well, what did you hear about? What, what did God speak to you? Let's, let's ask each other, you know, as we're walking out. But what did God speak to you today? How, how am I different because of sitting under God's word today? Like, let's talk about the word. Let's talk and encourage each other to move in our spiritual gifts. Let's not just leave here and go, okay, cool. He says something about Pringles. I got some Oreos. I'm going to eat those. And, uh, yeah, you know, Anthony celebrates Christmas in June. Let's not just leave here with some funny stories, but let's leave here challenging and encouraging each other. A brother and sister that you're close with, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever it is, whoever it is that's close to you, let, let, let's talk about this.
Let's talk about what our spiritual gifts are. And let's talk about how we can use them to serve each other well. And so uh, we're going to go into worship and we're going to thank God because we know that God has given us the ultimate gift, which is Jesus Christ. He showed us what generosity looks like by coming down to earth and dying for us on the cross. He's equipped us for generosity by giving us spiritual gifts. Now he's calling us to generosity to go out and to serve each other well. And so let's do that. We're going to go before God and we're going to worship him through this next worship song. And if you, you need prayer, you come up to me and my wife. We're going to be standing right here. Or you can go back to Dean and Susan and Watney in the back left corner and they'll pray for you. We're here to pray for you. We're here to help you. Anything we can do to encourage you in this, we would love to. So we're going to go into worship. We're going to ask God. We're going to seek the spirit to show us what our gifts are and how we can use it, them gifts to serve Jesus well. <laughs>